Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Totally Well Show. I'm your host, Joyce Strong. The Totally Well Show is a place where we get curious, ask questions, and explore everything to do with health, wellness, fitness, personal development, helping people, and all the things it takes to help you live a strong, joyous life. I am back today with Nina Stout for a second visit. She's been on uh, my podcasts and webinars and uh, coming back to talk with us today a little bit about her background, what got her into um, into nutrition. And um, just to remind you, Nina, welcome. Thank you. Thank Thanks you for having me. coming back. Um, so Nina's a, a functional nutritionist, um, a certified personal trainer. You can reach out to her at simplewellness.com, simple with a Y. Um, she's also, I met her as a medical uh, science liaison through Zymogen, X, Y, M, O, G, E, N, Zymogen.com, which is a supplement company, a quality supplement company. And um, she just knows everything about everything. So. Oh, gee, you're too kind. <laughs> um, Anything else on the intro about how people people can find you through Simple Wellness yeah. and on your social media? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so I'm curious because I've only known you in mo more recent years and through our affiliation with um, with um, Zymogen. Um, what what's where did you start with this? Like, how did you get into wellness and nutrition? And was it always your passion or? No, I, not always. Um, you know, interestingly, um, I mean, from the time I was a little kid, I mean, I was really, uh, I kind of, medicine's the family business, you know, right. and so when I was little, from the time I was six, I wanted to be a doctor. And I, So your parents are doctors? Uh, doctors? My dad's a dentist, my mom's a nurse, okay. and my grandfather's uh, uh, was a surgeon and uh, several um, uncles and cousins who are also um medical doctors and actually a, neuro, a couple neurosurgeons in the family. Oh, wow. So it's, yeah, yeah, it gets a little crazy. But um, so those were some of my, you know, influences and role models in my formative years. And so I went off to college pre-med and just really quickly kind of took a detour and <laughs> went uh, So you are the black sheep the, in your family. I know. It was really uh, <laughs> quite, a, you know, quite a thing. Um, but um, it was it was interesting. And I'm, I think that there was just something inside me that didn't, 100% resonate with like the sort of allopathic track, you know. Um, I don't think I ever thought I wanted to be a surgeon, and I think that there's a, uh, you know, surgery is very um, specific. But you know, when you get into a lot of the um, the primary care, you know, aspects of of medicine, um, I just think in this country we don't really focus enough on prevention, and I think that. Um, Maybe there was just something deep inside me that, that knew that there was more of a holistic path I wanted to take, but I so hadn't we, been introduced to it yet. So when you say allopathic, you're think, I'm thinking a little bit more for an ill or yeah. disease model. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to prevention. Correct, right. And so... Um, so I think that, you know, when, then when I was in my 20s, I kind of got introduced to chiropractic. And Wait a minute. When you were in your 20s, aren't you still in your 20s? Oh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> um, so, you know, that was the beginning. I kind of got in, in, introduced to chiropractic. And um, then uh, a lot of that just the, you know, nutrition, nutritional interventions and things like that just really resonated with me. And then I ended up um, going down that path and... Uh, my uh, there was a family member who I, we worked with who kind of had his own um, line of supplements, and um, I started doing some health coaching there. And then I went to the School of Integrative Nutrition, Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York, in 2007, and, and that was a wonderful program. And um, yeah, so became a nutritionist, board certified holistic nutritionist, certified personal trainer. 
And, um, and now I'm getting my master's in nutrition and functional medicine. Mm-hmm. And I've been in this field since 2002. So wow. yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a fun ride. It's really fun seeing a lot of, like I was saying earlier, a lot of the a little bit more traditional medical doctors kind of peaking their, in, you know, their interest is being peaked around this whole thing with, okay, you know, if we, if we do some dietary, you know, interventions, mm-hmm. um, some things change for these patients, you know? Yeah. There's a really neat, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but there's a really uh, neat um, allergist in Rhode Island who um, was, you know, doing all of the traditional allergy things and skin prick and different, you know, um, interventions that were more traditional. And all of a sudden he realized, oh, if we change their diet, you know, their skin rashes go away and their yeah. wheezing improves and different things. And he's become um, a functional medicine trained practitioner. And so things like that are, are really exciting to see because I think in this country we can do a little bit better with, with prevention. But Yeah, I've yeah. even had some, um, I know you know some of these people with some chiropractic functional neurologists absolutely, who are interested in um, having me work with them to support what they're doing with their patients so there's you know traditional if somebody has a concussion they'll start off with a neurologist with an MD but then the chiropractic is a is more adjunctive to that and then now they want to bring me in because I can do a little bit more hand you know hand holding or high touch support that that this work needs behavior change and stuff like that so there's one thing to prescribe it there's another thing to execute it and they're two different skill sets and so it's really fun to see how we're all like getting together yes as a team and helping as a as a as opposed to I'm the right ear doctor. You're the left ear doctor. <laughs> right, not so siloed anymore. There's yeah. a lot of more, a lot more integration, and, yeah. um, and which is uh, why we call it integrative medicine. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, you're 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 actually making me think of kind of an interesting like segue into. I know our topic today is a little bit more around fasting and things like that, but yeah. a lot of the. Um, integrative approach and the chiropractic neurologist approach to um, concussion care actually does incorporate um, a window of fasting, mm-hmm. um, right? To just yeah. kind of give the body a, a rest and let the brain, you know, heal and, and, and rest as well. Yeah. And so um, so that might be an interesting uh, topic about, you know, an interesting segue into, you know, our topic today because Fasting is not something that comes very naturally or very easily, um, especially to most Americans. But not if, if, you, if you're used to the standard American diet. It's very natural to the body. Fasting, that is that's yeah. true, very historical, but not necessarily part of our society, yeah. you know, at this point in not time. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's hard, Yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, when, especially when you're not used to it. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of the sort of, um, you know, Common, commonly prescribed dietary approaches over the past, I don't know, 10 years or so has been kind of, you know, maybe six small meals a day and more of a grazing approach to, you know, keep blood sugar, you know, level. Um, but again, yeah, that's, spoke- that's another segue because we're going to be talking about the fact that, you know, blood sugar can be kept level in, in a lot of different ways, not just by constantly, um, feeding and introducing glucose, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> to the body. It's interesting. I, I just interviewed somebody who's, that's basically their framework. And again, it, it comes down to one size doesn't fit all. Sometimes that's we'll you know, try some different things depending on what the history has been. Right, right. Yeah. And where they're at in their process, yeah. right, their healing process. There were, um, there were two things that uh, I did a survey recently to, uh, like SurveyMonkey, to ask people questions like, what's your burning, one burning question? 
and two words came out, intermittent fasting mm -hmm. and keto. Mm -hmm. So I was mm -hmm. hoping today that we get to get touch on those a little bit. Yeah, some of my favorite topics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it, you're right. It's definitely, what is it, like the most Googled, you know, dietary trend, you know, for the past two years. Yeah, both so. of those words, I think, yeah. are really up there because, again, people absolutely. want clarification and... Yeah, because, you know, I mean, we have a problem with overweight and obesity in our country, right? With two-thirds of adults being, you know, overweight or obese. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so um, people are looking for help. Mm -hmm. um, and they understand that following a ketogenic diet can be impactful with weight loss, you know? So I think that that's usually a big piece of it, right? Yeah, that's maybe where people get tied in. Although when I think of keto, I think of, like you just said, other applications for ketogenic or intermittent fasting might be because we're trying to support healing of a concussion or longevity or some other things that, uh, There you is, know. yeah, a lot of, lot of research around the ketogenic diet for brain health. And really it came out of, um, you know, care for epileptic patients who mm -hmm. were, you know, um, you know, dealing with a seizure disorder that really wasn't responding, you know, to medications at the time. I think this was in the, you know, early 1900s and, you know, it was first uh, applied, you know, um, medically. Can you help to define for our guests what a ketogenic diet is, like what that word means, and because what the, the reason I'm asking is people will say, yeah, I'm doing keto, like almost like it's a brand, right? and like I should know what they're doing, and I'm like, I have no idea what you're doing. You're, sure. you're saying keto, but that could mean so many different things to me, a trained person. Can you help Sure, sure. That? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of different ways to do a ketogenic diet, but um, basically to, to describe what it is, it's when the body is, is serving surviving off of the metabolites of of fat burning, right? So that's so we make ketone bodies from burning fat. From burning Those are fat. byproducts, exactly. and they're actually a fuel source, almost like a fourth it, food group. It is. That's exactly the way I describe it too. Yeah, fourth macronutrient, right? So yeah. the three main macronutrients are fat and carbohydrate and protein. Yeah. But when you burn fat, you are actually creating ketones, and that can be that fourth macronutrient. But um, so you are you're burning fat when you're eating fat instead mm -hmm. of, you know, and, and predominantly, um, when you're predominantly eating fat on a keto diet, it's about 70% of your diet as far as that macronutrient, right? You're doing mm -hmm. about 20% protein, about 10%, generally speaking, 10% carbohydrate. And typically that carbohydrate's from very low glycemic or low sugar type fruits and very small amount like berries um, and uh, maybe leafy green vegetables that have carbohydrates in them. But um, you're, you're predominantly you know, surviving off of the, the fat that you're eating and, um, and then that's being um, converted and burned into ketones. So yeah, ketones can be used immediately by you know, neurons in the brain and muscle cells. And so um, you, you, you can you know, survive very well, um, mostly on ketones. And then there's another process by which you can produce some small amount of glucose for the brain through um, gluconeogenesis, but we don't need to get into that. <laughs> in any case, um, you know, some people worry, you know, oh my goodness, if I'm not, you know, taking in carbohydrates or I'm not, you know, burning glucose, uh, you know, I can't, uh, my body is not going to <laughs> make it, um, you know, but. We didn't survive this long without being able to make sh Sugar fasting <laughs> is biblical, and we're going to get, you know, yeah. so basically ketogenic diet is like sort of a form of fasting, right? Because you're not 
taking in glucose and burning glucose. So what that means is essentially you're not, um, you know, most the you know standard American diet is mostly you know it's it's like the opposite of the ketogenic diet. So it's like seventy yeah. percent carbohydrate, right? And yeah. mostly refined processed carbohydrates, right? In the form of you know white rice and bagels and pasta and different things like that. And so when you're ingesting those kind of foods, you're essentially um, just converting starch to glucose really quickly and the body kind of gets used to having that very fast fuel. Um, so there's a there's sort of an induction process when you're going to change the body from glucose burning to fat burning, right? Mm -hmm. And again, fat burning to make ketones. So it so, takes a few days to get uh, into? Or, at least a few days, yeah. usually a couple weeks, you yeah, know, and there can be the keto flu, um, which can be, you know, um, when somebody might be feeling pretty crummy because they're used to that fast fuel source. And they haven't adapted, become fat adapted. They haven't become fat adapted, exactly. One thing I, I, I want to squeeze in is, if I hear somebody's doing a keto diet, sometimes people say, oh yes, I'm doing keto. I eat dairy, I eat um, bacon, or I eat certain things. It can be done that way, but that right. doesn't mean, keto and eating dairy and bacon are not, they're, they're not the same thing necessarily right so, right yeah yeah just trying to clarify um, yeah somebody i have a because if you pick up like yeah. books that say keto they'll have recipes and then they have all this stuff in it which i may or may not want that particular person to do depending on the big picture That's so i don't right. want them to think they absolutely have to eat cheese or certain things if um, they're doing keto. There's no. Than, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And as you know, a nutrition coach, um, you know, the two of us both being, you know, in the trenches with individuals yeah. who are like wanting this information and some, many times don't know where to start. Or like you said, they, they, they come in and say, I'm doing, doing keto. Um, there's a term, it's not very um, glamorous, but it call, it's called dirty, dirty keto, keto, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like that's that, like maybe bacon butter, you know, heavy cream pork rinds kind of keto. And it's yeah. like, I don't know. As a nutritionist, it makes me cringe a little bit because, yeah. you know, I, I, I like the, I like the, you know, nutrient dense foods, right. Yeah. That have a lot of different, um, polyphenols and things that you get from, from fruits and vegetables yeah. and you can include in a keto diet, you know, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, you know, look, I mean, some people do absolutely phenomenal with dairy and, 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 you know, it's fine, and not every but not everybody does. So, as yeah. a nutrition coach, personalizing a program for individuals, it's really important to really take a full health history and understand, you know, help them connect the dots with their narrative in terms of, oh, every time you eat dairy, you get a headache. Like, <laughs> let's not have that as part of your keto diet, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, in any case, um, you know, I think uh, I think you bring up a great point. Um, when people say they're doing keto, a lot of times it's 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 a, it's a lot more research that needs to go into it, and having mm -hmm. the help of a coach is really a nice way to um, to break it down for them to, yeah. to understand the best way to do it. Um, one of the tools I like, it's kind of a gimme, um, is uh, Senza. It's an app, S E N Z A. Oh yeah, I think you mentioned I like this that to one. Me yeah, it's yeah. good. It, it you know helps track um, caloric intake. It, it actually has a fasting timer on it, mm -hmm. so we'll, we should talk about intermittent fasting, but. Um, you know, it helps track your macros, which is again, the protein, carbs, and fat, mm -hmm. and, uh, and just kind of helps a person keep on track with understanding, you know, what, uh, it, it takes a little bit of time, you know, it kind of grades you actually every day, you yeah, know, yeah. and I'm consistently in the eighties, you know, and not a hundred because I, um, 
I do eat a fair amount of carbs from vegetables because I love my vegetables. Yeah. But I've been doing this for, you know, a year or so. So you get to a place where you're kind of, uh, this is a whole other topic, but metabolically flexible, right? Yeah, where yeah. you kind of, you know, uh, can come in and out of ketosis pretty easily. You know? That's basically what that means, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I, and I think that's a sign. That's how we're how we evolved to be, mm -hmm. um, that's a strength, that's a survival skill, yes, right, in, right, in our mm -hmm. metabolism. Yeah, and I think that we need to sort of retrain our body to do that, to be mm -hmm. metabolically flexible. I think right now most most folks, you know, are, are really just used to, you know, feel kind of be on that sugar roller coaster, right? You know how I get to be metabolically flexible? I have a sweet potato or an apple. Oh, like me people too. like <laughs> me too. I've people been... laugh at me, but they're like, your cheat day is a sweet potato. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've been enjoying my purple sweet potato all week. I was like oh, this the big, and you know, I'll just have a little piece of it each day. They're good, even butter. cold. That's what's in my car for lunch, lady. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. I didn't want to yeah. leave it at home because it would just go bad. But um, so I'm on the good. road for like five days now. But yeah, totally. And, you know, it's funny because now... Um, you know, this is silly and tongue in cheek, but I feel like on my bad days, I'm, keto, I'm paleo. <laughs> I love on my it. good days, I'm keto. No, it, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I just feel like if I'm having like a good, and I'll check my ketones maybe once or twice a week, maybe once a week, you know, just to kind of check in and see. I'm like, oh, I think I'm in ketosis, you know, even though I had whatever it was, Brussels sprouts last night in abundance. Or, yeah. I know, I sound but such a But I find nerd, that but, when I have... Um, have carbs in abundance, which are healthy carbs like mm -hmm. vegetables or root vegetables, say things like that. I don't. My weight stays stable. My everything stays good. It's just like you. Said, it's just at exercising that muscle to be metabolically flexible. And yes, yeah. and you know what? Sorry, not to interrupt you, but I think that one of the things that makes that supports that metabolic flexibility is the intermittent fasting. Yeah, and I do try yeah. to you know do that pretty much on a daily basis unless my travel or meeting schedule just makes it really hard to do. I've been using the Zero Tracker, the Zero Fasting. We, I think we talked about just another free app that people can use, Zero, Z-E-R-O. Uh -huh. But basically, um, it gives you some flexibility on the timing. So for intermittent fasting, it could be um, a thir 12 or 13 hour, mm -hmm. like a circadian rhythm. So you stop eating at 7, start at 7. Or it could be... Um, uh, 16, 8, yeah. or 18, 6, or 24, yes. you know, so in other words, uh, for 16 hours, I won't eat, and then my eating window is 8. Correct. But, so I'll shift. Sometimes yeah. I just feel more hungry, or yes. I exercise more, something just triggered more hunger, and then yeah. I'll, I'll break the fast, um, and sh or shorten it. So I'm, yes. I still fasted, you know, usually more than 12 hours, but. Right, right, and there's just so many different ways to do it. I mean, some people will fast, you know, 24 hours once a week, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that yeah. yeah. Um, for me, I, I tend to do more of that daily intermittent fasting, mm -hmm. which is, you know, a 16-8 or something like that. Yeah. And again, for your listeners, it's kind of like, um, just to use my example, you know, I'll, I'll try to eat dinner and finish dinner by 6, 6.30. Yeah. And if I'm going to fast for 16 hours, I won't eat again until 10.30 the next morning, yeah. right? And so, you know, it doesn't work for everybody. But for me, I like to do a fasted workout. So mm -hmm. that'll be at about 6.30 in the morning. So and that's at about the if you're fat fast adapted, point. I think I've seen people be able to shift into that gradually because they, if they Correct. try to do it abruptly and right. they're not healthy to begin with. Right. And yeah. that's what we were talking about, right? In yeah. terms of like with the keto diet, you're burning fat because you're ingesting mostly fat. And, and it's the same thing when you're fasting. So it's actually a lot easier to fast when you're, um, 
fat adapted because you're eating a ketogenic diet because yeah. it's the same thing. In a fast, you're burning so stored fat. So those two fat. things can go to support each other. They go very well keto. together. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you go, you know, and work out in a fat adapted state, um, I'm sorry, in a in a fasted state, um, yeah, you, you'll tend to be. I think fat. they work well, not just for weight loss, but depending on how much you're eating as well and other variables. But to, when people, another, the third most popular thing people answered on my survey was maintenance. How do you not gain it back? Oh, right. And I think being able mm -hmm. to be metabolically flexible to slide in and out of keto and add that intermittent fasting and feel good, like the evidence is you feel good. Um, right. That you can maintain weight so beautifully. And if you do have a day where you had a couple glasses of wine or some other things that you chose to right. do, you recover so much more quickly. Yeah. You don't put the weight on. I agree. I find that too. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's, it's, it's about being disciplined, right? probably at least 80-20, right, once yeah. you get to that fat adaptive place. But the discipline is is, is important um, because, you know, if you do fall off, you know, you, you know your routine to get back on. So, I, you know, so those are those are kind of some of my tools is the intermittent fasting, going between keto and paleo, checking my ketones, you know, with using the keto mojo, the blood, you know, oh, yeah. marker to, to see your levels of beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is what's the, in the, the blood. Because the ketone sticks that you pee on don't give you enough information. And once you're keto-adapted... It's different, right, yeah, because you you're measuring, you know, you're, you're measuring, like, acetoacetate or acetate. You know, you're not necessarily measuring um, beta-hydroxybutyrate, which right. is what's circulating in the blood, and that's what, you know, you're... So the, key, the mojo is using. like doing a glucometer, it basically. Is, it is. It in is fact, a glucometer. It's both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. You have yeah. two different... Um, strips that you can use yeah, yeah. so yeah. those things and also the discipline around working out too right mm -hmm. that's really um, important but you know you see a lot of people at the gym who are you know really disciplined about their workout but um, you know over time because I've worked out at the same gym for seven eight years um, they're not necessarily losing uh, they're not necessarily changing their body composition and losing fat mass and that's likely um, a, a, a function of diet and what they're mm -hmm. what they're eating how much they're eating so the Senza app is great that way or whatever app whatever yeah, tracking yeah. app feels right I've, I've used like lose it in the past but that's not necessarily totally keto focused maybe they have a track for that now but yeah yeah yeah, yeah so two of my favorite um topics as well yeah, the keto yeah. and the intermittent fasting i think that they're they're really great tools for people but i think that um doing it uh doing it in a, an informed way um, so that, uh, you know, it's, and maybe maybe people cycle off and on too, you know, with it because there are different changes in the microbiome that occur, you know, when a person's not you know, doing very low carb and not doing, you know, really any whole grains and things like that. So yeah. it's good to have the guidance of, of an expert that can help, help a person check in with themselves and, and sort of, um, you know, maybe see signs of change uh, that are necessary, you know, coming before even they do, right? It's yeah, kind of yeah. It can be complex. I I, um, I wanted to mention often with uh, people with, with type 2 diabetes benefit from a combination of what we talked about in the previous show about um, detoxification. Mm. So taking some things out just at least temporarily to see what happens and then doing carefully because if you're on medications, it's right. complex. You yeah. can't just do it um, because you're not healthy yet. Um, right. But I've seen diabetes reversed oh, yeah. with um, doing some elimination, detoxification, 
um, so elimination meaning take the food out of the diet for a while, detox meaning put in nutrient dense, mm -hmm. and then using some ketogenic range mm -hmm. and when you're ready gradually grow to some intermittent, and, fasting, intermittent fasting slowly yeah. and having the person completely in a very wow. short time come off of medications mm -hmm. and have normalized um, insulin and um, glucose. And yeah, fancy. there's yeah. a lot of evidence in the literature for that approach to diabetes um, management, care, reversal, et cetera. Actually, the book I have right here, yeah. Dr. Jason Fung, he's a oh, nephrologist. Yeah, 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 the complete guide to fasting. Yeah. He's a nephrologist in Toronto, and he um, he's basically came to intermittent fasting because he saw um, all of his, a lot of his uh, diabetic patients who had um, kidney impairment. Um, you know, he, he was kind of at a loss as to how to help them change their diet. And he's really interesting because he went to the whole, you know what, it's easier to tell a person not to eat anything <laughs> rather than to like sit down and have the time to, I mean, that's where health coaches come in is to, 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 to take the time to help a person really change their diet for the better. But, you know, <laughs> as a busy medical doctor, I think he was just like, I'm just gonna tell people not to eat. So yeah. that's where he came up with like the whole fasting plan. So I know it's kind of opposite of what you just said, because you do really need to be very cautious, especially if a person's on medication with type 2 diabetes, but, you know, in a structured way using, looking at their medication, yeah, he does tons He's, of fasting. He has a whole different model of what insulin resistance is. Oh, yeah, he's all about yeah, you know, he's very how forward to not thinking. spike the insulin. That's all it's about. But he about. even defining, like, or attempting to define what it is, he's, he's just much more open-minded and forward-thinking in mm -hmm. his approach. Mm -hmm. um, and is. I do appreciate that it's easier to, it, it, for me, it eliminates and it helps me with my clients, too, Decision fatigue. I didn't realize how oh, much time I, I thought about. I love that topic too. Let's get. Let's talk about that next time. Yeah, <laughs> but no. I, but all the the times you have to think about food yeah. and make a decision: should I, shouldn't I? Yeah. It just simplifies it. Yeah. I'm going to have what you know. I'm going to have two meals a day or three meals a day That's in this right. period. I'm going to have what I want. It's all going to be nutrient dense. And then it just, I, you know, it's always got protein, it's always got vegetables, it's always got fat. Oh, I can have fat? Oh, that's great. I can have an avocado, I can have nuts, I can have these things that I'm usually on a diet and thinking I can't have. I'm, I'm not on a diet well anymore. Well said. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. Kick and the, the diet to the curb and start eating. Start eating. But, you know, like you said, I mean, he, he talks about, you know, frequency of eating too. You know, why mm. was there less obesity in the 70s? Yeah. We were not eating all the time. Yeah, all the time and all the junk. I think it was Peter Atia talked about, he held his hand like this, three vectors. And it's when you eat, mm. it's your macros, so it's what you mm -hmm, eat, mm -hmm. and it's how much you eat. Yeah. And then I would add another one and saying, and is it inflammatory? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and your mindset when you eat. You know, really, we could, we yeah. could go, but deep really on simplifying that, it, right? For sure. Yeah, I like it. So, well, I really love talking with you. We have Likewise. endless things to talk about. I, um, agree. I hope you'll come on and do it again. Oh, please, thank and, you. And maybe do some more webinars and things like that to help teach because it's just so much fun to to explore it, think about, you know, am I in the right path? Because I get a lot of validation from you as well in my own personal journey. So I appreciate Aren't it. Aren't you so kind? Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a blast. Yeah, thank <laughs> you.